the Hollywood Trust podcast testimony series, sharing experiences of those affected by the Northern Ireland conflict and those people who have taken the decision to take positive steps for the future. Now here is your host, Eamon Becker. Today's podcast is a little different. For today we have two people, namely Brendan Brady and Michaela Devine. So thank you so much to both of you, Brendan and Michaela, for being here. And let's have a listen to their interview. This podcast is funded by the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department of Foreign Affairs, and co-funded by the Derry City and Strabane District Council and the Community Relations Council. Brendan and Michaela, you've been involved in a project which I believe is funded through Hollywell and through the Executive Office. The project is called Lullaby. To me, that seems like an unusual, a distinctive and an innovative project title, Lullaby. Maybe you could tell us and, and the listeners something about Lullaby. The Lullaby Project aims, in a nutshell, to share the lullabies that the people who live in this city grew up with, either that were sung to them or that they used to sing to their children. This came from the experience of my own family. I was sung to a lot as a child and certainly employed it a lot as a parent, realised that it would be a lovely way to find out about other cultures. And obviously realising Derry is becoming more and more cosmopolitan, I thought lullabies, the gentle tunes, the comfort that comes with lullabies, uh, is a lovely way to meet and to talk about other cultures. If I can go back to how it snowballed into what it is today, I have family that live in Canada, and my brother had a, a son in Vancouver and there was the realisation that he would miss out on the family lullabies because aunts and uncles and cousins when they were babysitting would sing the songs that we were used to listen to as children and so I set about in 2007 to record a suite of 10 lullabies and it was my family members sang the different lullabies so it was Dance to Your Daddy, Bokari Kariana Thankfully, it worked out quite well, and I was able to email that over to my brother for him to play to his son as he was growing up. So when I moved to Derry and got exposed to the City of Culture year, it was a great year to move to the city. Just that whole embrace of art and, you know, joyous celebration of what can happen when people put their mind to it. And I attended lectures in Hollywood Trust, which was dealing with, you know, legacy issues of the Troubles. And... And quite often I heard from testimonials, people saying they wished that there was more sharing. So at some point along the way, that mixed with what I had already done with the family and then started to ask people, you know, would there be an interest in this? Could we? Because I know I'd love to find out about other cultures through this way because it's such a precious part of my own experience. With the conversations that started happening, I then met after asking my brother-in-law's Roy Arbuckle, who's a very experienced head in these matters, and he said, oh, it sounds like a, a lovely thing. I, you should approach Hollywell. And uh, so I met with yourself, Eamon, and uh, Maureen Hedington and Roshan O'Hagan, and slowly you sort of nurtured what it could possibly be in terms of an outreach to community groups. And thankfully around that time, obviously, I was mentioning it to Michaela, and she was keen to be part of it. Was a, you know, she's a great singer, and obviously would be familiar with the lullabies that would Maybe be used to say hello to Michaela here. Hello. Right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From then, 
it just became a lot of phone calls and uh, you know meeting uh, various community groups that are based in Hollywell and uh, in the city. Went out with a small number of our own lullabies with a view to ask people, what are the lullabies you remember? Would you be willing to share them or would you be willing for us to learn them and maybe come back to you with them? We were surprised at the start. It was very, very warmly received. The, you know, the community groups that we did work with, and I'll mention a few later, were lovely. And what we noticed that was common was at the start, they were like, oh, lullabies? I don't remember any lullabies. But then you'd sing Twinkle. We always started with Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, sort of a comfort song. And knowing that being written by Mozart, you know, it's quite well known everywhere, we hoped. And as it turned out, it was. So you'd sing that and the Brahms lullaby, you know, Rockabye Baby. And then all of a sudden people would start remembering. Oh, what about uh, I See the Moon, the Moon Sees Me, or NC One Sees Spider. Songs that are maybe nursery rhymes, but that were employed in their family as uh, lullabies. It was strange seeing the commonality, uh, particularly with the groups that that lived here. Uh, you know, would have been perceived to have always lived here. So it was only then whenever we got introduced to ethnic minorities, the Filipino group, the Kabbalah group, uh, through Jonah, the Polish mother and toddler group, through Magda, and in the Syrian refugee group, through Mohammed and Assem, that we really were going into fresh territory. And they all, you know, shared with us songs that had powerful meaning for them. One of the first places I think you went was you went up to Craigan and yeah. you, you met with the Craigan Over 50s Club and yeah. I would know well Margaret McGlinchey. Oh, amazing. And I think you went up there with Anne Tracy. You want to tell us That's how right, that yeah. went? The 50 Plus Club and Margaret McGlinchey is uh, an amazing woman, very warm and welcoming and excited about the project and at that time Anne Tracy was keen to help out as well, which is lovely because I'd done a few gigs with Anne with her jazz, um, with the Twist concerts over the last few years. And uh, very acidity, lullaby, very, very sweet. Set about just rehearsing a few songs and got up to the, the group of ladies and singing the songs and asking them what songs they remembered. So we performed like a song, John of Dreams. We performed Roy Arbuckle's Lullaby, uh, God Smiled When You Were Born, another beautiful piece of music that the whole world should know, and then set about asking the ladies, what songs do you remember? And one of them was, Who's at the window who? Enjoy it. Who's at the window who? A wee wee man with a bag on his back to take wee baby away. Where will he take them to? Where will he take them to? To yon wee house at the top of the hill, far, far away. What will his mammy say? What will the mammy say? Get up there, daddy, and light the fire, for baby is far away. Yeah, and that's a wee tune that, as far as I know, is only known here in Derry. It's not a tune I'm familiar with right. at all. I don't know the words um, at all. So, And the 50 plus group was one of the few places that when we started singing it, people were joining in. So it was uh, lovely. I don't even think it's that widespread in the city uh, either because Brenton and his brothers and sisters and me and my brothers and sisters would have all 
knowing that song growing up, but that would have come from Granny and Granda, who well, grew I up and Lone Lone Road and Derry. So. And so it's sort of people around that sort of area seem to know the song. I haven't really heard anybody else know yeah. anything about it. And I would love to know the, the full story behind yeah. it. Southern lullabies have quite frightening words, and especially some of the older ones. It's like the grim fairy tales. You know, they do harbour some very mm. ominous ideas. But again, they're sung in these really nurturing, loving uh, situations. And Who's at the Window Who is an example. It's like really about kidnapping. <laughs> and yet, as a child, I remember absolutely loving having that song oh, sang to me. Scared. Um, <laughs> Rock a Baby it scared me more <clears throat> because the cradle fell. Again, it's odd. And I think what was nice was when you were sharing some of the songs, like, oh, yes, I, I used that song. I, but that one, I do know that quite a few leaders ago, and I haven't heard that in years. So you started off in in Craigan, which yeah. obviously would be Catholic, Nationalist, Republican area. Yeah. But what you said there earlier that you you moved in and you started meeting Filipinos, you meeted Polish people, and you were meeting uh, Syrian refugees yeah. in the, in the yeah. town. Could you say a little bit about those sessions? Yeah, I think the first group that we met with after the fifty plus group was uh, the Polish mother and toddler group. Uh, on the waterside and now this was still when the project was just working with individual community groups and again there was a lovely Saturday afternoon group that uh, Lady Magda can't remember her surname now um, Polish lady uh, the Polish lady was organised with her uh, community they had uh, toddler Zumba toddler so, Zumba we play classes it was absolutely <laughs> fantastic great atmosphere in the and place. where was that happening uh, that was happening over in the Iliac Centre, Ilico Centre, uh, thank you, Ilico Centre in uh, Spencer Road. So again, lovely atmosphere, very welcoming, and again, whenever we started singing, like the wheels on the bus, all of a sudden the children were animated. Were, were animated. They, were, they were performing movements with their hands that matched the words, and again, that was a surprise that yes, they, through their nursery, mm. or through their parents, were learning these songs. Uh, again, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Most of the mothers mm-hmm. actually were were, were telling us what the next verse was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I had to keep us right. So while there was that commonality, they did introduce us to a few lullabies. And again, you, you know, you sort of realise the rich cultural heritage. And I know, you know the internet is wonderful. But yes, we were able to go on and search and see some of the amazing number of lullabies that are in the Polish language. But because there's the direct connection you're having these mothers saying, well, these are ones I remember. The Polish mothers in Derry and Spencer Road are singing uh, Polish lullabies. Yeah, singing along. They sang it for us the first first session, and then when we went back, we were able to sort of play it for them to see, you know, does this sound right? Is is this the song you know as you know it? Strange to consider it, but in a later workshop, there was a grandmother of one of the children. Polish grandmother? Polish grandmother, sorry, yes, of one of that group. She heard Michaela singing, and you could tell that she was very emotional. And she become tearful. Uh, so you realise that yes, this is a, a valuable thing. Touches the heart uh, core, yeah. and it lets them know that yes, we do appreciate where you're coming from. And the project has been, you know, there's a lot of wee moments like that, but you realise that hopefully there are the signposts that yes, this is a right thing to be doing. So this is the lullaby. I don't know the direct translation. But Magda says it really is just about it's about getting ready for sleep. (coughs) 
quickly and without knowing lyrically what's going on. I mean, it is. It's a lovely, lovely piece. And obviously, the very talented Michaela able to pick up the language of it. So. Can I just mm. say just about my part in the in the Lullaby Project? Um, it's been in the pi- pipeline for maybe a year or two. Friends been sort of chatting about it. So it had mentioned to me a couple of years ago, but oh, I'm thinking about doing this. Would you would you like to be a part of it? And of course, I just said yes, of course. Um, but then last year, I fell pregnant with my daughter. And then this started to come together, and Brenton was asking again. I know you're going to have a young baby soon, but would you still want to be a part of it? Again, I thought, yeah, what's better with a wee young baby than to do some lullabies? And by the time she was born, then in September, and it was just after, shortly after that, that I joined Brenton at one of these workshops for the first time, and it was the Polish group that I went to. And because it was a mother and toddler group, I was able to bring her with me. And at this point, she was only a couple of weeks old, and she was only about four weeks old. To me, it's been brilliant, because I know enough lullabies that I've grown up with that I would sing to her anyway. But then with this project, I've been learning loads of different lullabies so it means I've got I've got it more of a more of a repertoire for singing there and funny there's there's one that I always knew the tune of but I never actually knew the words and that's Hush Little Baby and that has actually become mm-hmm. every time I'm putting her down for a nap or for the night that's the song I will sing there and it's just because I learned it for one of the workshops and the her has never been mentioned sorry the her okay. is my daughter Eve yes. <laughs> It's the first time Eve has been mentioned yeah. by name. Yeah. Oh, she's great. And it is funny because you see the value of music as well. Eve is a very well-behaved girl, but music, she always responds to it. She well, loves You know music. what it is? She's been to several of her oh, workshops yeah. in Hollywell, the Polish centre. We've had her up with the over 50s in Craigan as well. And she just loves the music. Like She might get a wee bit fussy if she's sitting still for a while, but see, once you start playing... She just looks around yeah. and sometimes tries to join in. She started now clapping whenever people start singing. She starts clapping. <laughs> but it's a good litmus test. Yeah. If Eve's enjoying it, then yeah, it's good. she definitely she she loves the music. Uh-huh. I think she loves well, the music mostly because yeah. of how I'm much we've been doing. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Diamond ring. If that diamond ring turns. 
This podcast is funded by the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department of Foreign Affairs, and co-funded by the Derry City and Strabane District Council and the Community Relations Council. Yeah, so after doing work with the Polish Miller and Tottle Group, we were introduced to ladies that were working with Syrian refugees. Pat Byrne, Playhouse, uh, gave us contacts for uh, a gentleman, uh, Mohammed, and then a translator, uh, Assem, who uh, we met up with over the period of a few weeks just to see if there was something that we could do together. And fantastic gentleman and very enthusiastic. And Mohammed is a very fine musician in his own right and came here with you know, quite a big reputation behind him in his home country. So I think that he's slowly building that up for himself again now here. Again, just a pleasure getting to play some music uh, with them. And there was a song that they were very keen for us to play along with, and it was a song called Shatier Shatier. As Sam was saying, the translation of the song is about what makes a good boy. You know, it's uh, certain situations are happening, a good boy would act this way. But when we were listening to it, it sounded very much a refrain, and it sounded very much like Drunken Sailor. And we played this to them, and then they got very excited and said, why don't we do one verse of our song? and then mix it in with one verse of yours. So it was like an international mashup. And Sam was playing drums as well in the background, yeah. just made it amazing. Yeah, Mohammed singing the Syrian verses, uh, Sam playing the drum, and then Nikita and myself singing the um, Drunken Sailor. And the workshops that we played those at were, by this stage of the project, we were working with more than one community group at a time. And the Methodist Mission in Carlisle Road had joined us to work with the Australian refugees. So we were singing some beautiful lullabies um, that uh, the choir leader from there, the choir is called Joyful Noise, taken by Jim Simpson, who over the course of the months has become a great friend. We were singing Hush My Babe, and a different one now from what Michaela sang. And then we were singing to them this uh, mashup. And every time we did it, it went down very, very well. The crowds always loved it. Another group then that we worked with was the Gabalakat group that's run out of Hollywell here uh, with Jonah. Now again, because the the Philippine uh, tradition is something I know very, very little about, I was keen to meet with people, talk about their lullabies. Jonah was very, very good. Came with a few traditional Philippine lullabies and their translations. One of them is about the small beach huts and just about how it looks after you and the things that you can have in it you know from your brushes to your food but there's another one the translation is cradling song and when i first heard it i I wept because it was just musically so beautiful the youtube version that i watched had an english translation and the poignancy of the words the universality of just the comfort the sanctuary of those moments. That's <clears throat> when I fully realised the universality of it. You appreciate that although we're doing it all the time, you're not harnessing, but you're reminding people that that lovely sanctuary is something that we value, and it is a shared value. One of the things I'm conscious of, Brandon, is that in me so explicitly mentioning uh, the the and Over 50s Club, it, it perhaps made it sound as if you didn't go to areas where the people are from the Protestant or Unionist or Loyalist community. 
Did you do that? We did, yes. And through Tracy McCrory, we went to a group of ladies over in... The Cornelson Drive. Cornelson Drive, yeah. yeah. And again, that was at the time of the project where there was, it was kind of just one-off visits. But there was always an assumption that we would be called back. And again, very, very warmly received. Lovely ladies. And Tracy played along with me that day now. And again, the enjoyment of, you know, it's that sort of thing of kind of scratching the surface and you realise, oh, there's actually a lot in this. And again, the shared the shared songs, because when we started singing, they were one of the groups that said, oh, I don't remember using any. And then you started playing a few tunes and I was like, oh yeah, I remember doing this. I remember using this song. And that was another group of ladies that knew the who's at the window who perceptually and again I'm of a generation where that still lingers but it certainly didn't feel it in that room that day you know the the songs were known universal universal and that was that was lovely I noticed um, without talking too much about it when you mentioned the the, the song from the Filipino community mm-hmm. you did appear to become emotional yeah and this very this project, what attracted me to the project was that you're entering into almost like through the project, you're going into that bedroom where the mother or the father is singing gently, softly to a child. We've used the word sanctuary, so mm. it evokes that sanctuary, it evokes that precious space. And I guess for all of us, we would like to be, whatever age we would like to almost be returned there in some way and we'd also want to offer that you know I'm now old enough or young enough to have grandchildren so lullabies become something that I can now once again use yeah yeah definitely it does have that dual effect like whenever you Mm -hmm. (coughs) excuse me whenever you you think about them you think I wish I was a child and had my own mother singing those songs to me again but then it's also um, for anybody that has children of their own, like I've only experienced this in the last in the last eight months. It's more. It's not just singing the song to this child to let them have the memories. It's precious for you too. That you are, you're giving them the gift of song. You're giving them a gift that you cherished growing up yourself. Yeah. And looking back, you mm-hmm. you know you think yeah. you have wonderful memories of it, and you know, you're passing that on to somebody that you love more than the earth. And I think that's that's really nice too. Mm, well said. And was there ever a moment in this? delicious process where you thought I'd like to write a lullaby have you tried that Brendan have you um, tried that Michaela it would be a beautiful idea I've written a, a small piece on piano that is not really a lullaby it's just, it's just a nice but it, a very sweet piece of music yeah. yeah I have written a lullaby and um, it was and the first half of it was written whenever your baby sister was a baby Ashley and just a tune that was made up while I was babysitting her. But then... Didn't make up any songs for me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd be sharing music with you. <laughs> I finished the lullaby after my first daughter was born. It became a staple then of what I sang to my children. There's a song called How Many Miles to Babyland, which of all the workshops we've done, not a single person has said that they knew it. So this... Although there are versions of it on the internet, none of them match what we have or what we would have grown up with. Um, and again, it's a, just melodically very sweet. Love um, where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> 
flight to the right and please to ring the bell what do we see in baby land little folk in white curly heads cradle beds faces clean and bright who is the queen of Is there a next step now? Going forward with the project, there was always an idea that it would be lovely to celebrate that through something like a concert, like a, a CD, a CD where either people from the communities that were keen to be part of it could sing the songs themselves and then again have uh, people from here because obviously we've got a great pool of uh, choirs and musicians. Now, I did spend a lot of time getting in touch with musicians and they're all very keen to be part of it, but it's a very... You know, it's quite a grand scope, so it takes quite a bit of organising. And I think I would, would still love for that to happen in some shape, size or form, where there's a recording of the lullabies that are remembered by the people who live here and ideally sung by the people who are living here. Then for that to be shared in a public space would be, be the cherry on top. But I know that the recorded version would mean then that it's, it's a resource that people could dip in and out of. You know, it could be stored digitally and then used by whoever, whenever. Is there action steps towards that or uh well i hope so uh the situation is that there's a, a sort of a natural lull because of the time of year and i've got a few other projects that are needing my attention directly presently and but certainly the lullaby is there and it'll be you know the sleeves are ready are rolled up ready get stuck in uh, doesn't sound like the right image for a lullaby. A lullaby right? yeah. You're um, roll up your sleeves and get stuck well, in. I, I wish it could be all relaxed and that somebody, you know, some mysterious benefactor could just go right there's a lump sum. So all the people that you've got in contact with, all the studios that you've asked, you know, all the artists and writers and community groups, go where they are. That'll all happen. Would there be an expectation, say, in Caw Nelson Drive or Craig and 50 Plus or the Syrian group, the Filipino group? the Polish group that you would come back is uh, well the last time I was chatting they were keen for it to happen but again that's sort of some of the feedback that uh, would be nice to hear there's a situation of I'm not sure what's happening with it now uh, because it has got to the point where it needs funded for it to move forward the goodwill is there the interest is there there's marvellous interaction with the community groups but there's a sense of when it comes to action and delivering something real, you need you need backing. Yeah. Um, so fingers crossed, because I know there's a few avenues that are being waiting to yeah. uh, be pursued. But so I, if anyone's listening to anyone's this, listening that and they have a... to contribute, they're very welcome to get in touch with Hollywell <laughs> Trust and Bishop Street. Um, and I'm sure the team will get you in touch with the right people. Well, Let's close there. Akio yes. <laughs> Devine, yeah. mother of Evie. Thank you. Brendan Brady, who looks more relaxed now yeah, that he's that. got <laughs> through this ordeal of an interview. Um, thank you very, very much. Good, thank you. Thank you.
Coming up in the next few weeks on the Holywell Podcast and Testimony Series. We have a special podcast with Dr. Martin Stern, who shares his childhood experiences of surviving the Holocaust. Twelve years ago, the National Holocaust Center people decided that, uh, realized I'd retired as a doctor, and uh, they decided they could use me. They invited me up there, and they said, stand on that stage and tell them your story, pointing to a room full of pulpits. And I very quickly learned a couple of things. One, it's not my story. I was a kid. I don't ever remember doing anything other than what I was told or something completely inconsequential. That, to my mind, is not a story. Around me were adults who did extraordinary things. That is a story. It's their story I'm telling. I'm just left alive to tell it. Tune into the Hollywell Stew special as Extern, Tryu, and the Kippy Project compete for a community investment fund. Our main project is a trans and non-binary based comic book called Transcribe. It features stories based around the lifestyles of trans and non-binary people and primarily the issues and prejudices they face. Maybe our game can go out to children and teachers and parents and friends and family and anyone who's ever felt different so that they can learn more about the LGBT community. I just want young people to have their voices heard. I think they deserve to be heard. And I think we need to forget the whole thing that children should be seen and not heard. And we will continue our testimony series with more stories from people affected by the Northern Ireland conflict and the changes they have made for a better future. All the violence has been visited upon them or upon their loved ones, that this is a very difficult issue, your victimhood or your sense of being a survivor, and we can't come to any accommodation in it within the political realities and institutions. And actually, it's your fault that it's not working because it's such a difficult issue. If it affects somebody so much that they go, I'm going to think about things differently, or I'm going to look at things differently, and I'm going to let my barriers down, my hatred down, or my bitterness down because I've seen a story, a different side, or something has hit me that I didn't think ever would. That is all upcoming on the Holywell podcast and testimony series. Never miss an episode by following us on soundcloud.com Apple Podcast and on Stitcher.com. Search for Hollywell Podcast. I would like to take the time to thank the funders of this podcast, namely the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department for Foreign Affairs, Derry and Straban District Council, and the Community Relations Council. Thank you all. If you missed any of our testimony episodes, a special playlist featuring every episode to date can be found at soundcloud.com. Just search for Hollywood Trust and you will be able to stream or download every episode. Otherwise, all our episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts and at stitcher.com. You can stay up to date with us on our social media pages. On Facebook, look for the Hollywell Trust. And on Twitter, it's at Hollywell Tea.